Today on Reparations in Action. Serious situation for Africans in the city of St. Petersburg and everything is connected to this process of colonial gentrification and trying to remove the population from St. Pete. You're listening to Reparations in Action. Reparations now. Take back the gold. Reparations now. Take back the gold. Reparations now. Hello everybody out there um, watching on, on my page. Um, we are here as the Hulu movement here in St. Petersburg, the Reparations Now Committee here of St. Petersburg. We are in front of the Tropicana Field. That was the voice of Temba Shabanda, an organizer with the African People's Socialist Party's Reparations Now Organizing Committee in St. Petersburg, Florida, standing with a group of supporters outside the Tropicana Field on May 4th, 2021. On today's special episode of White Lies Shattered, we take a look at the lies and false promises told by the city government in St. Petersburg to justify the destruction of one of the city's oldest black neighborhoods. In the early 90s, the government raised the neighborhood known as the Gas Plant District to make way for the construction of a baseball stadium known first as the Suncoast Dome and later renamed the Tropicana Field. The city government lied to the African community, claiming that they were moving them out of their homes in order to provide light industry and create jobs. Instead, they built a baseball stadium before they even had a baseball team to put there. There was no public input And one of the city council members later admitted that if a public referendum had taken place, the stadium probably would not have been built. Nevertheless, the city council went ahead with their plans and crushed the gas plant community. The African People's Socialist Party has long fought for reparations from the city for this brutal example of black population removal that occurred as part and parcel of the overall colonial capitalist assault on the African community through gentrification and the colonial public policy of police containment and terror. In producing today's episode, we spoke with leaders of the African People's Socialist Party in St. Petersburg, Florida, who are organizing the ongoing struggle for reparations from the city in light of renewed discussions about the future of the 86 acres of land beneath the stadium. The baseball team known as the Tampa Bay Rays has acknowledged the possibility of leaving St. Petersburg in the near future. A flurry of so-called redevelopment plans sponsored by corporate developers have been proposed by the city, all of which involve more gentrification and colonial displacement of African people. Each plan promises more economic development for white business interests at the expense of an African community facing the most extreme conditions of poverty and homelessness in the area. The very existence of historically black neighborhoods in the city is threatened. The Tropicana Field Baseball Stadium stands on 86 acres of land that was once home to a thriving black community known as the Gas Plant District. Across the street from the stadium, a parking lot now sits atop the remains of 300 human beings in what was once an African graveyard known as Oak Lawn Cemetery. Nearly 800 families lived in the predominantly African gas plant district, named for the two fuel towers that stood where the stadium is now. Businesses like the Harlem Theater and Citizens Lunch Counter and nearly 100 other black businesses once existed here. The area was home to St. Petersburg's first elementary school 
and one of the city's first libraries. Three churches attracted parishioners from across South St. Petersburg. Homes filled with renters lined some of the brick streets. Well-kept bungalows lined blocks like those of Fifth Avenue South, including the home of St. Petersburg's first African physician, Dr. James Ponder. Many residents owned their own homes and had lived there for more than a decade. The gas plant district was one of the oldest black working class neighborhoods in St. Petersburg, where the people who built St. Petersburg lived dating back to the 1880s. Uhuru Movement founder and leader Chairman Omalia Shatella was born and raised in that area. Chairman Omalia Shatella has referred to the Tropicana Field, which is often called the Dome, for its dome-shaped appearance as the tomb. Because Tropicana Field literally sits on a graveyard of 800 homes, businesses, churches, schools, hair salons, barbershops, movie theaters, grocery stores, all of that existed in the black community. And the Tropicana Field stands and sits right on top of that. And the Rays want to leave and we say, well, go ahead. You can go. But the Dome belongs to the black community. That's Akile Anai, also known as Aretha Akile Canyon, speaking at a town hall meeting in 2017 when the then 20-year-old Uhuru Movement activist ran for District 6 City Council, the district where the gas plant was located, on a platform of reparations and economic development for the black community. Akile Anai, who is now the director of agitation and propaganda for the African People's Socialist Party, ran again in 2019 for District 7, And in both election campaigns, her platform called for the return of the Tropicana Field's 86 acres as a form of reparations to the African community. We had the honor of speaking with APSP Agitprop Director Akile Anai for this program, beginning with the question of how the city has changed in her lifetime. It's so blatant today, um, the the transformations that the city is making to, to really transform this whole city white and to erase the history and, you know, the, the, the literal existence of black people in this city, um, starting, you know, with the history, every contribution that we've made, destroying whole communities, our capacity to be able to produce for ourselves and, um, you know, and, and the intense level of, uh, police occupation, the, the type of, um, you know, containment we see of our communities, um, you know, and, and then of course there's the other aspect of, you know, rents going up and people being priced out of their own homes, uh, you know, elderly African women and men being uh, preyed on uh, by land developers who are, you know, uh, harassing them every day to buy their homes and, you know, kicking out generations worth of uh, families here in the city and and then replacing, you know, whole areas uh, where we've we've lived historically, where we've been forced to make a way for ourselves, and where we've been able to manage to do that, um, just consistently being uh, taken away from us, and you know, in its path is an interstate like the one on twenty sec uh, that destroyed the twenty second street business district. Um, or uh, the you know the high rises in condominiums that increasingly appear downtown, and 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 uh, and have further penetrated the south side, deep into the south side. Um, they're gone beyond Central Avenue at this point, and it's just making it very clear that you know this this city does not anticipate that there will be a you know large uh, or a, a black population in this city, um, and you know they're using you know for. Uh, you know, handpicked forces, including, you know, people from our community, uh, neo-colonial puppets to help them 
carry out this uh, tactic. In fact, that's what they did with the dome um, uh, when they were uh, discussing, you know, destroying the, the black community in the gas plant. Director Akile explained how the Tropicana redevelopment plans are part of the same process of colonial gentrification and that the efforts to present the false appearance of community involvement are just that, a falsehood, a lie. And so today's redevelopment plans of the TROP site, um, it's, you know, it's, it's, a, it's, the same, it's the same things we've been seeing. So today they, they talk about the proposals that they're looking at, and it's all just big developers, big developers are part of the, in these discussions who are um, the ones who even have access to this whole process. It's not opened up to the people. And I could talk about the literal renderings of this area where all you see are white people. And, um, and everyone keeps talking about it, ha- you know, making an ode to a pat to the past, which is some kind of, um, and what they're planning is a landmarker or something there to, to remember what was there. But it's very obvious again, that the intent is not to, it, the intent is to push the black community out. We're not supposed to be here for much longer and, um, we'll see m- much more, uh, uh, processes of sanitation happening, uh, whether they look like direct police uh, occupation, um, you know, Africans getting gunned down by the police, getting locked up in, in jails, or, you know, even the these colonial conditions imposed on us, um, you know, forcing us to turn on each other. And we see that as well. Um, uh, you know, just just these, these conditions becoming more and more um, uh, desperate and um, uh, just, you know, it's just a really um, serious situation for Africans in the city of St. Petersburg. And everything is connected to this process of colonial gentrification and trying to remove the population from St. Pete. And this is all something that I've witnessed within my 24 years of life. And um, more recently under the leadership of the African People's Socialist Party and Chairman Amalia Shetela. When director Akile ran for office in 2017 and 2019, her platform called for the creation of a reparations land trust authority to which the land beneath the Tropicana field would be turned over. Absolutely. It was a totally democratic process that was, you know, well articulated. You know, this is what um, the land, the 85 acres of land that, you know, was once stolen to the Black community, this is what it can go towards. And we laid it out we really saw it as like a cultural hub and I remember being in meetings where the chairman was really laying out the vision for this area and you could really see it you know making statements like well one the city of St. Petersburg thrives on the big tourist economy and we can even go on about that about how Africans our labor was exploited and to clear the swamps to be able to create the tourist industry that exists today in the city where we work the hotels, you know, clean the bedpans of the elderly homes, elderly, the white elderly homes and, um, you know, all of the, the backbreaking types of labor that white people uh, would not do for themselves, uh, Africans were forced to do, recreated the capacity for the city to have a tourist industry. We're just thinking of this this land where the Black community obviously is, is filled with so many talents, uh, so many different skills that we never get to use for ourselves that are always 
you know, exported or from our communities into the white community to better the existence and lives of white people, to work at white people's restaurants, to, you know, um, you know, perform and as cultural workers for white people, for, for white entertainment. And none of these skills, none of our labor, none of our resources go to benefit ourselves. And being able to take all of these skills and pour it back into our community to develop this site where um, you know, where African contractors and engineers would, you know, be the ones uh, employed to be able to take this on. So one, the, you know, being able to employ the forces within our communities who, you know, aren't able, who aren't able to work, um, you know, especially on these like big contracts with the, the condominiums and things, being able to contract people within our communities to develop this land for the community to actually determine and through a democratic process, um, you know, how, how things would look and, and, you know, who would get to represent them on this uh, reparations uh, land trust and development authority board and w- a cultural hub where all of the African talent and genius, you know, could, could thrive. And there, there would create a, a desire for people to come, you know, throughout this country and around the world to the first reparations, the real, the first real reparation city in this country. And to be able to see what that would look like, where, um, you have your restaurants, your uh, your cultural institutions. You have your you know your movie theaters. Your I mean just everything, everything that you can imagine, um, you know, can really be unleashed on this land. And uh, the chairman would paint the picture, so people don't have to you know pay hundreds of dollars to fly over St. Pete to go to the Caribbean. That they could come right here in their own home. And, you know, be able to experience, experience, um, you know, what the African community has to offer. And, you know, it's such, it's just such a brilliant vision uh, for this land. And it's something that it would be incredibly historic um, to, to accomplish because it's something that's never been done. That's the real statement of um, uh, reparations to the African community, repairing this damage. And we talked about being able to employ the forces within our community, um, the democratic process to which the the leadership for this project would be established, being able to recreate the, the culture and um, the preservation of the history of the African community in the city by um, you know, concentrating it in, in, in this area and, um, you know, allowing us to build there. You know, it's just all of these things that can happen uh, through this through this really brilliant plan that is so well laid out. And I also just want to recognize Comrade Chimarenga Sinlambao, who is a longtime member of the African People's Socialist Party, an organizer in St. Petersburg, Florida, uh, was my campaign manager, you know, really helped to, to, to put the vision of the chairman, you know, into, uh, you know, this well-articulated platform. And, you know, just well received by, you know, the forces in our community, especially those who remember what it was, who remember what the gas plant was and who, who can recall vividly the whole uh, theft of, you know, this land uh, from our people and what it did to their families and how it devastated them and, you know, how their histories, their homes, you know, totally gone and there's not a trace of it in sight. And especially from those uh, people, I mean, they, they have a vivid memory of what it was like and, um, you know, it's they it's just overwhelming unity for this whole reparations platform. But especially what we were talking about with this dome, every time we mentioned the dome, you could get just about anybody uh, to go. Yeah, that's yeah, that would be that would be amazing. And yeah, they, they did do that. They destroyed our community doing that. Um, you could get unity around that question pretty much any time you, you raised it. So 
yeah, that's what I would that's what I would say. Akile spoke to us about the Uhuru movement's vision of genuine black community economic empowerment. The vision is similar. One, I mean, it would be something that would be developed on our own terms. Um, that you know we would be able to say and and be able to actually execute how our own labor, how our own our own genius and resources would go towards benefiting our community. And you know, I can't express enough, you know, how the, the I mean, I, I don't I don't think I need to. I think the the entire world is very clear about, you know, the um just the skill and the talent of African people, the genius of African people, um, and it being a and it being able to be unleashed and, you know, like that that process is like none other. Um and, you know, for, for the first time, you know, being able to really concentrate all of that, 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 that skills and that labor towards developing our own communities. And um, I think on top of, you know, being able to feed, clothe, and house ourselves, uh, which is the, what the main function of economic development, um, and, you know, would be self-determination in the hands of African people, that's the primary focus but I, I think what also contribute what happens is it contributes to a sense of community, um, because one thing that you know destroying these different areas of our community and dispersing us, you know what it does, um, and, and and it makes it easier for the gentrifiers, uh, for the colonizers, to you know uh, when they have separated our people and um, and 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 ripped us away from the history there. I mean there. The, the people have nothing to protect and have no interest of protecting it. Um, and it makes it easier for even some, you know, like, you know, more spineless politicians, uh, Negro politicians to pop up. Um, and, you know, just it gives us a sense of something to, to really fight for. And, you know, I would even go so far as to say that, you know, this process is also part of the whole counterinsurgency tactic um, against the, the Black Power movement and being able to prevent its ability to rear its head, specifically in this city where the party has so much leadership, the birthplace of the chairman, and um, you know, and and just the 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 history of you know the Uhuru movement and African resistance in the city, that you know this rapid process of gentrification con- uh, is is a is a uh, contributor to the counterinsurgency and and keeping the Black Power movement muffled, um, and you know. And, and it's, you know, once our community is able to, uh, you know, possess the ability to feed, clothes and house ourselves and rebuild our community, it gives us something to fight for. In April 2021, the African People's Socialist Party launched a campaign called Take Back the Dome, led by the Reparations Now Committee. We spoke with APSP member and one of the leaders of the Reparations Now campaign, Temba Shabanda, about the demands issued by the Reparations Now campaign. Thank you, Jamie. Um, Yes, um, the Reparations Now uh, campaign committee, we are demanding um, the return of the Tropicana land over back to the Black community immediately. Um, Also, we demand a massive infusion of capital from the public and private sources for development of new black businesses. And then we also want to, um, we demand three, our third demand is the immediate 
end of the public police policy of police containment and uh, replacing it with a public policy of economic development. We asked Temba to tell us about the response from the community. We just launched a campaign a uh, um, couple of, uh, you know, actually maybe a week ago. Um, and we've been out um, basically every day getting uh, signatures. And uh, the response from, from the people has, has been amazing. People understand that, you know, the TROP used to be an African community. Um, some people don't know. I mean, I would say most of the people don't know. Most of the young, young people don't know. And when we're, we're telling them that this land used to belong to, to you, um, you know, they, they really get very interested in, um, and, and they start listening and, and really, you know, with the open mouth, wide eyes, you know, um, really engaged and, um, and it's been a, a great response. So once we, they understand that the TROP, um, land site had over, you know, housed or, um, yeah, housed basically over 800, um, African families, um, 100 black businesses, um, and, you know, the economic development that, you know, was there, um, during the era of the black community that the truck replaced is now gone. And, um, it's obvious and, and, the people can see this, and um, and when we tell the people, especially when they don't know about the Trop's history, being a, a historic Black community, a thriving Black community here in St. Petersburg, they really um, hustle, hustle to sign the petition. So it's been a great response. An election is coming up in St. Petersburg where the future of the Tropicana field will be debated. Temba had this to say about it. Uh, yes. Um, <laughs> It's very interesting that you asked that um, question. Um, as far as the the Uhuru movement, you know, um, I think Akile answered that question the best. Um, you know, um, there are specific things um, as far as District 6 is concerned that we are watching uh, just due to the, the gerrymandering of, of District 6 that had... Um, uh, mathematically made it impossible for, um, you know, Africans to win a seat in this district, you know, just by the, the proportion of Africans and North Americans within a district. District 6 has historically been an African district. And um, and just, you know, the process of the gerrymandering has now put that in into a, you know, um, not, no longer the case uh, um, of it being, you know, an African district. So, um, just really looking at that district and and just seeing how how um, this election would play out um, in 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 terms of you know um, the the incumbent and and just you know so there's there's no no real um, real I, I don't have any real opinion on the elections just yet just just understanding that you know even after the elections. Um, you know, whoever wins, um, we, we, the African community of St. Petersburg, will still need to organize. I spoke with Jesse Neville, the chair of the Uhuru Solidarity Movement, the organization of white people working under the leadership of the African People's Socialist Party to build reparations to African people. 
Jesse also ran for mayor under the leadership of the Uhuru Movement in 2017 in St. Petersburg, Florida, alongside Director Akile Anai during her run for City Council District 6. His platform embraced the African community's demand for reparations in the form of the return of the land under Tropicana Field. Jesse joins us today on White Lies Shattered. Welcome, Jesse Neville. Along with Director Akile Anai, your mayoral candidacy of 2017 was the first in the world to have a platform of reparations to the African community. As a white activist under African leadership, what kind of response did you get from other white people to slogans like unity through reparations? Thank you, Jamie. And I'm really glad to be on uh, this episode of White Lies Shattered and talk about the reparations struggle for the land beneath the Tropicana Field Baseball Stadium in St. Petersburg, Florida, to be turned over to the African community. And I just want to start off by uh, appreciating this program and acknowledging the leadership of Chairman Omalia Shatella, uh, the founder and leader of the Uhuru Movement, under whose leadership I have the honor to work as a member of the African People's Solidarity Committee and the Uhuru Solidarity Movement, with the strategic assignment to organize in the white community to build solidarity from other white people like myself with the struggle of African people for self-determination and political and economic power over their own lives. And I also want to acknowledge uh, Penny Hess, who is often on this program with you, who is my direct leadership and the chairwoman of the African People's Solidarity Committee, and who has played a key and critical role under the party's leadership under the leadership of Chairman Omalia Shatella uh, and Deputy Chair Onazanea Shatella and the entire party uh, in forging this, the correct and principled stand of white solidarity with African liberation. And with regards to your question, uh, Jamie, the campaign in 2017 was something that was 100% initiated and strategically led by Chairman Omalia Shatella and the African People's Socialist Party. The African People's Socialist Party had been engaged in the electoral arena in the past. And in fact, the chairman himself ran for mayor in the early 2000s and secured the vast majority of the African vote in Saint Peter in South St. Petersburg. And he ran on a platform of shared prosperity. And Chimaranga Selimbao, Alvalita Donaldson, and others had run for office um, under the, the banner of the Uhuru movement in St. Petersburg. In 2017, Director Akile Anai and myself were asked to were assigned to run for office on, on the Uhuru Movement ticket. I was very honored uh, to be asked to run for mayor of St. Petersburg, Florida. And um, I did so again under the leadership of, of the chairman and the party and as part of a strategy to really go into the electoral arena, which is an, uh, an arena that is reserved for the white ruling class to have a place to, as the chairman says, non-violently contend with each other for control of the state. Uh, and we introduced the, the agenda of the African working class into that discussion. The party did that. And as solidarity, we, we had a role in that as well. And the campaign in 2017 was significant because it did call for unity through reparations. And this was a positive and, and progressive message, a slogan that the chairman himself came up with, which resonated deeply with many white people who said that their lives were 
were profoundly touched and changed by the call for genuine principled unity that the African community was making to us in the white population, that we could have an opportunity to refuse to be complicit with the gentrification, with the police murder and terror and harassment, with the slander that comes from the bourgeois media, the ruling class newspapers every single day, with the general degradation and imposed poverty and homelessness uh, and just colonialism that is inflicted upon the African population of this city, uh, which is less than 23% of the population for the benefit of the majority white uh, population. We have an opportunity to say, no, we don't want to be a part of that. We don't want to be complicit. We don't want to be bystanders and beneficiaries of, of this horrific uh, system. So it was an amazing campaign and key to the campaign was the struggle led by uh, Aretha Akile Canyon for the return of the land beneath the Tropicana field in District 6, the district where she ran. And I really want to salute the brilliance of Director Akile Anai, as she's also known, and her fierce and, uh, and incredible stance as a leader and as a, a revolutionary fighting for reparations on the municipal level, which is something that the party made happen in 2017 and then again in 2019 and also in 2021 in St. Louis, and which has reverberated throughout the country. I'm sure you've seen uh, other local municipalities talking about implementing reparations programs and debating the question of rep reparations um, in city council meetings and things like that. None of that would be happening without the leadership and influence uh, of the African People's Socialist Party over the decades and including in the last five years. You are the chair of the Uhuru Solidarity Movement. What role is USM playing in the campaign for reparations now, take back the dome? And why is it important for white people to unite with the African community's demand for the repossession of those 86 acres of land? It is extremely important for white people to stand up and be counted in solidarity with the black community's demand for reparations, not just in St. Petersburg, but around the world. It is absolutely key. It is not only our responsibility, which it is, as the colonizers, as the, the oppressor uh, population, uh, we have benefited from the oppression of African people, from the theft of their resources, going back to the assault on Africa, the enslavement of African people that built this economy, that built this system, that built the foundation of white wealth and security and opportunity in this country and around the world, um, up all the way up to today, where uh, the mass incarceration of African people forms you know, a cornerstone of the white parasitic capitalist economy that uh, enriches rural white communities and brings jobs and other kinds of spinoff industries to the white population. Uh, this reality has never gone away. And African people are fighting to change that reality. And reparations means repair the damage. That's what Chairman Omali Shatella has said. That's what he has called upon us as white people to, to understand and to, uh, to fight for. It means repair the damage. Take responsibility to repair the damage of a system that was built on oppression and, and exploitation for our benefit, for our profit. We can say 
we don't want to have anything to do with that. And we can have a role in repairing the damage of this legacy uh, of slavery and genocide that continues to this day. And not only do we have the responsibility to do that, it's in our interests. It's not in our interests to live on the pedestal. It's not in our interests to live in self-imposed isolation from the rest of the peoples on the planet Earth. White people are 11% of the world population and we consume and control 80% of the world's resources. That means we are living in a completely divorced reality from what the rest of the human beings on the planet Earth are experiencing, including African people who are colonized and oppressed and the Mexican people and other oppressed and colonized people right here inside US borders and right here inside the borders of what's called the city of St. Petersburg, the city limits of the city of St. Petersburg, African people are colonized. You go past Central Avenue, you find wealth and splendor and booming downtown businesses and coffee shops and yoga studios and breweries and art galleries and all kinds of stuff on the uh, on the north side. And then you go into the south side and it's like you've entered a different world. Uh, there's hopelessness, there's destitution, there's uh, just homelessness and poverty that's been imposed on the African population. Um, just minutes away from high rises and luxury apartments that are being built uh, without pause by the city government every single day. And this is part of a plan that has been in place for a long time now to transform the city of St. Petersburg into a Palm Beach, into a playground for millionaires, into a white people's paradise. And there is no place for African people in that vision. And there is no place even for regular white people in that vision. It is, it is being transformed into a billionaires and millionaires club. And it's happening on the backs of the displacement and gentrification of the African community first and foremost. So if we want to fight to live in a city that is equitable, that is built on shared prosperity, as the chairman once said, and that is, is able to you know, rise up from being notorious as a city that is one of the most divided and brutally oppressive in the country to being a, the city that stood up and became a model, a beacon of reparations and justice and hope. That is the opportunity presented to us by this righteous and courageous demand that the African community is raising for reparations. And the Tropicana Field is the most glaring example of that. Right now, that baseball stadium sits as a monument to oppression and injustice. And if that land is turned back over to the African community and the reparations land trust authority that the Uhura movement is calling for, then that stadium and that land will instead become a monument to reparations, atonement, and justice. That's the opportunity that we are presented with. And the Uhura Solidarity Movement is going to organize overtime to win the majority white population of this city to see that this is the only future worth fighting for in the city of St. Petersburg and worldwide, and that we can be a part of building a principled relationship to African people in the city of St. Petersburg so that we can look each other in the eyes as human beings and not as gentrifiers and gentrified, not as the settlers and the colonized, not as the policed and the police, but as human beings. 
And that can, that's what unity through reparations means. It means principled unity between human beings, but that can't happen without reparations. And there can't be uh, justice without reparations to African people. So, so that's what it's about. And uh, we, we urge, uh, you know, white people to, to hear this call and to become, uh, to become involved in building a better future for the city of St. Petersburg under the leadership of the African community and the Reparations Now campaign. The term gentrification is sometimes used as a positive word to describe redevelopment and revitalization. What do you think is important, especially for white people, to understand about this word gentrification? Gentrification is a euphemism for colonialism. As Chairman Omale Shetela has defined it, colonialism is that situation where a whole people is oppressed and dominated by a foreign hostile state power for the benefit of the oppressor population. In other words, in this country, we are the colonizers, white people, and Africans and indigenous and other oppressed people, they are the colonized. And we benefit from this colonial reality in every way. And that's what gentrification is. Gentrification is something that sometimes it gets talked about like it's this it's this benign process where it's like coming in and buying up property and raising the property values. And even when people critique the negative effects of gentrification, they talk about it as if it's some kind of natural occurrence. They've even referred to it as like, it's, you can't stop it. It's like a hurricane. It starts to come and there's nothing you can do to stop it. And the property values go up, people end up getting evicted and the demographics of the community start to change. Uh, but it is not a natural phenomenon. It is actually war. It's an it's an act of war by the colonial government and the white colonial population against uh, traditionally African and other oppressed communities. And it happens all over this country. Any city that anybody might be listening to this podcast, you've seen the same thing. And in many cities, you might have even seen it happen with baseball stadiums. That's happened in Tampa. It's happened in Philadelphia. It's happened in uh, Missouri, it's happened all over the place where they they crush a black community to build uh, a sports stadium uh, or to build a shopping mall or to build an interstate uh, or a freeway or something like that. It happens all the time. So gentrification is a violent, uh, murderous process of black population removal that is sanctioned by the government and often initiated by uh, white people who even self-describe as, quote, urban pioneers who go into African communities with clipboards and pickup trucks and start looking for properties to uh, target and owners to harass. And uh, they prey on the elderly African population and on widows. And it is a brutal, uh, devastating process that uh, that is part of the whole colonial uh, colonial reality. And it's important to y- unite with and understand with uh, understand what the chairman, Chairman Amali Shetela means when he says it's colonialism, because otherwise you might find yourself talking about racism. And to say it's racism is one thing. To say it's racism is to say, okay, this is happening because of bad ideas in the minds of white people, because of negative attitudes that white people have about African people, about black people. But the, the Uhuru movement is, is saying, no, not really. Because if African people had power over their own lives, if African people had reparations, if African people had self-determination, then it wouldn't matter what attitudes existed in the minds of white people. The problem is colonialism. 
The problem is that there is a material economic system that racism is used to justify, but colonialism is the problem. And when African people have power and colonialism is defeated, it will not matter what ideas exist in the minds of white people. So unlearning racism is not the solution. The solution for, for us is to stand in solidarity with the anti-colonial struggle for African liberation. And the demand for reparations is an anti-colonial demand. And we have to uh, understand that and unite with it in that context. Jesse Neville, chair of the Uhuru Solidarity Movement, thank you for joining us today on Reparations in Action, White Lies Shattered. You're listening to Reparations in Action. Reparations now! This has been an episode of Reparations in Action, the White Lies Shattered series, a biased podcast of white solidarity with black power. My name is Jamie Simpson. This episode was engineered by Marcel Marius, who also composed our theme music. The show is researched and produced by Penny Hess, Jesse Neville, and Lisa Watson from the Black Power 96.3 FM studio in St. Petersburg, Florida. A shout out to Akile Anayi and DJ Eddie Maltzby, as well as the entire Reparations in Action team, Sandra Forrest, Johan Bedingfield, Amanda Carlozzi, Kyle Weiss, Marissa Ricchetti, Ali Aiello, Alana Woods, Declan Keller, Hallie Murray, and Sarah Ritterspock. If you liked what you heard today, you can go to Apple Podcasts and rate this podcast. If you have questions, comments, suggestions, please email them to us at ria at blackpower96.org. Special thanks to the African People's Socialist Party's Chairman Omali Yeshitela, without whose leadership and theory of African internationalism, none of the understandings presented on reparations in action would be possible. Thank you for tuning in. We'll see you next week.